pick up your, your copy of, of the book, book, The Gulf Coast Region and More. 35, 35 short, short stories, stories of wrestlers, which, which include Harley Race, Tracy Smothers, Ricky Morton, and Tim, Tim Storm. Storm. The book also contains over 300 pictures from promotions in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Alabama. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com or LanceByChance.com. Russellville, it's, it's where, where wrestling, wrestling lives. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today my guest is PJ Black. How are you doing today? Vinny, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Always, uh, always a pleasure talking uh, with other wrestling wrestling uh, personalities or fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can talk about wrestling all day, as, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. That's why I enjoy doing these. So talk to me a little bit about, let's, Talk a little bit about your career. Just kind of, kind of capsulize it for us all, for for maybe the fans who aren't familiar with you. Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the places you've wrestled and some of the names you've wrestled under. Yeah, I um, I've been wrestling since I was 16 years old. I grew up in South Africa. My father was a wrestler and a promoter, so I kind of grew up in the business. Started refereeing matches when I was like 11, so I've literally been in wrestling my whole life. Um, signed a WWE contract. Most people will know me as Justin Gabriel. Uh, between the years, I think it was 2009 to 2015, uh, left for Impact. I've wrestled all over the world. I've wrestled in 48 different states in the U.S. I've wrestled in 65 countries. I have, you know, I've wrestled some of the top names in the world. I've wrestled. I hit my finishing move on Undertaker, Big Show. I've even hit my finishing move on Vince McMahon live on Monday Night Raw. Uh, I got to wrestle Bret Hart at Madison Square Garden. It was a non-televised match, but that'll always stand out to me. Um, yeah, just recently signed a contract with Ring of Honor, and uh, I just turned 40 and almost in my wrestling prime. <laughs> wow, wow! So you, yeah, you've uh, you've had quite the wrestling life. I have. I'm very, very, very blessed. You know, especially a kid coming from South Africa. Um, you know, people told me that I would never make it. Uh, because because nobody from South Africa has ever made it onto the big stage. And uh, and to me, I was like, wow, then I'm going to be the first. I remember telling my mom that, and I was like, I'm going to be the first. But for, that's, a, that's a mindset thing. For people like that, you know, they, they think you don't have a blueprint or you don't have a plan to follow because no one else made it. And I was always that kid. I was like, well, then I'm going to be the first. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I did everything I set out to do. You've wrestled there and you've wrestled in the United States. Is there any difference between uh, professional wrestling in those two countries? Um, it's a little bit different. It was ba- different back then. Here's the funny thing. Like, I'm sure you've heard this from some of the other older guys. Um, back in the day, we used to have territories, right, in the U.S. You have the Memphis Territory in New York and stuff like that. Uh, but they had, like, sub-territories all over the world, like in Germany, for instance, and then Hanover. Uh, South Africa was a very popular – it wasn't really a territory, so I put it in quote, quote-unquote, territory. But a lot of guys used to come live there for, like, six, seven months. I mean, Jeff Bearden, the giant warrior, ended up staying there for years. You know, Steve Regal, Fitz Finley, guys like that used to travel there in the, in the early early 90s, late 80s. It was a very unique place, you know. It was a hub for 
for, for wrestlers all over the world. And I've said this before, like we didn't really have a style like in, 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 in Europe, they have the catcher's can style and in Japan, you have the strong style. Mexico is a Lucha Libre style. So we should just combine all those styles together. And that's what the, the South African style was. It was a hybrid of styles. You know, when I hear stories from uh, Lance Von Erich or other wrestlers who've wrestled in Puerto Rico, and then when I was working on the book with Lance and Jeff Beeren was telling me stories and Dusty Wolf was telling me stories that that uh, for matches in South Africa, those two territories kind of uh, paralleled uh, a little bit. They kind of... Uh, it sounded like they were talking about Puerto Rico in in some sense. Did did you you uh, see any of that, or do you see? The... Oh yes, yes, I see the resemblance now. But I feel like um, that was only in recent times. I feel like if you go back and look a bit further, that's what wrestling used to be like all over, especially in the United States. You know, where 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 heels got real heat. I mean, you hear stories of of the the ring being filled with chairs of angry fans, and you know, like. <laughs> Uh, it sounds very much like Puerto Rico, I agree. But And I've seen these things. I remember, I was a child back then. I've been going to wrestling shows since I was five years old, ever since I can remember. So I have seen, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen uh, gunshots in the ring, you know, people that go crazy. I've seen wrestlers being stabbed and, you know, all these horror stories that you hear from Puerto Rico. I saw that in South Africa as well. Yeah, Jeff Bearden was uh, uh, someone where I was talking recently uh about Jeff Bearden, and, and he said, well, have you ever seen Jeff's scar? And I said, no, I haven't. He goes, yeah, it's, it's huge. And he was stabbed several times in, during his yep. career over there. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I've been there for a few of those. I've been there in the ring. I remember being a child and just crying in the back because I couldn't help him, and the ring was just being filled with chairs. Like, there were just hundreds and hundreds of chairs, and he was buried at the bottom. You know, and there wasn't much we could do, but that's what a good heel he was. And if you if you can get that much heat today, you'll you'll make money. That story is actually in Lance's book, the one you're talking about, where he's buried under the chairs, and and then somebody helped him out. And he thought it was like one of the ring crew helping him out, and the guy met him with a knife. That story. Oh yeah. Book. Yep, yep. That's just. There was. I'm sure there's a couple of stories that. In that same arena, someone got shot because a fan jumped onto the apron and he got shot. I remember him just doing like three like little tornado bumps and falling off the apron. That uh, that that funny story. So that that venue where that happened is where I had my very first wrestling match in. And that venue, when WWE tours South Africa, they still wrestle that venue. It's like it's garbage. It's it's very old, run down, but it has a lot of history. When you uh, look back over your career or you look over as wrestling as a whole, I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff, right? I mean, does anything surprise you anymore in wrestling? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing surprises me anymore. I feel like the whole the whole world is the work. And most recently, and I hate bringing up politics, but I feel like politics is like pro wrestling. <laughs> All the crazy stuff we've seen lately. It's uh, You know, you have the heel and the face, but some. Some people prefer the heel, and it's just uh, it's uh, wrestling really what What's the saying? Life imitates art, so art imitates life. And I mean, we know wrestling is, is art, so it makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes we'll, you know, you see something, you say, "Wow, you can't make this stuff up." <laughs> <laughs> 
right? It's like it's like, man, did Vince McMahon write this story? <laughs> right, right. But it's definitely uh, entertaining. Wrestling has definitely been around for a long, long time. It'll be here long after we're gone. I'm sure it might evolve, like we talked about it. Uh, but obviously, what do you think it is about? wrestling that people love so much or what is it that you love so much about wrestling i mean i love the the athleticism the, the over-the-top characters i like the colors i like the i like everything i like everything about it i like that it's a different way of storytelling you know it's a it's a way of uh, getting emotion or reaction out of fans we take fans on on the roller coasters and on an emotional roller coaster and and I, only a wrestler would understand that if you're in the ring and you get that reaction it's you know, I'm I'm in I'm into adrenaline. I'm an adrenaline junkie, I guess, for lack of a better term. I do a lot of different sports. So I just uh, I jump out of planes. I'm a skydiver. I fly wingsuits, paraglider, base jump, and all that stuff. But I can tell you, walking down the aisle or getting the reaction, or when when the when the fans pop when you when you hit your 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 special move or your finish, that is is top of the list of of uh, adrenaline spike. So. It's hard to explain, but it's just that you know when once you're hooked on that feeling it's it's very hard to let go of it. That's why we see a lot of old school wrestlers try to come back and have one more run. you know it's just it's literally that just that adrenaline spike that they're after. you know you probably know this better than I do, uh and you could probably talk about this a little bit better than i do but i but I see it i know I know a lot of independent wrestlers that struggle, work full-time jobs doing, you know, truck driving or carpentry or whatever it may be, and uh, uh, they think that, you know, going to a major company is going to be the golden ticket for them. I know wrestlers like yourself, you've done very well as an independent wrestler. You've made wrestling uh, a way of life. Uh, you're living for a long time. Colt Cabana has done the same thing. He's, to me, what I, I, I think is a marketing, uh, he just really knows how to market himself. Uh, there's other wrestlers, uh, that I know that have made a, a living in pro wrestling, whether it be training seminars, uh, wrestling on the weekend or what have you. Uh, what do you think it is that, I mean, some people don't get to where they can do that, you know, where they think that uh, a big company is, is all they need. Right. And, and I, I tell indie kids this all the time when I, when I teach seminars, I, I say, obviously a lot of people's goals is to be on TV to get that check, you know, and I would just also just want to do it full time. But there is, there are opportunities on the independent circuit to make money. Obviously, you're not going to make millions, but you can make a decent living. You can make a very, very comfortable living if you know know your trade. And especially these days, there's so many companies popping up everywhere, especially especially internationally. There's, there's so many places that you can go and get experience and, and work full-time if you really want. If this is what you really want and you put the time and effort in, and, and learn your craft, you can definitely, definitely make a comfortable living, not even wrestling on TV ever. You know, if you don't mind, uh, just kind of go through the list of jobs that you've done in wrestling that hasn't always taken place in the ring. Can you do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I started refereeing matches when I was like 11 years old. And, you know, I mean, when I was eight years old, I knew I was going to be a wrestler. But, I, but being inside the ring, 
and, and seeing how the magic worked and seeing people's reactions and stuff, that's when I it really solidified it for me. And I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, no matter what. And, you know, I, I've, you know, you start at the bottom. When you train, you set up the ring. I started refereeing matches. You take down the ring. Sometimes you have to drive the ring to the next town. And, you know, I've done that multiple times in my life because I did that in South Africa. And then when I moved to England, I tried to start from the bottom. I did that again. When I signed a, a developmental deal with WWE, you go to the uh, back before NXT, it used to be FCW. You do the same thing. You know, you, you, you pay your dues. And then that's a must. You set up the ring, you wrestle, you take down the ring. That's just how it works. I've set up the ring so many times in my life, I lost track. I can build pretty much any ring. I've done it by myself. I've done it with a team of people. You know, it's uh, it's just part of wrestling. You have to pay your dues. Talk to me a little bit about your extreme, uh, your passion for extreme sports. Tell me a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about that, but I'd like to hear some of the things that you do because some people might hear and think, wow. Why would somebody want to do stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I've always just been who who uh, who, who pushed the limits, for lack of a better term. I grew up surfing, and then, you know, I, I, I always did karate, kickboxing. I played rugby for years and years and years. Um, I did a lot of different contact sports, different extreme sports, if you will. Um, when I when, when I got signed to WWE, they moved me to Florida. So I moved all the way from South Africa to Florida, and I couldn't surf. You know, on my off days, there was nothing to do. And one day I went for a skydive, and I got hooked on that. And then that led to wingsuit flying, and then that led to base jumping, and then that led to uh, paragliding. And uh, I feel like I'm still discovering new new uh, um, extreme sports, if you will. I mean, we live in such a great time where you can go on YouTube and you can see all these different things and, and try different things. And, uh, you know, we have so many great, great extreme athletes who make money out of that. And I, for a long time, I thought I was going to do that. I mean, I do actually have a couple of sponsors, but I'm not ready to get out of wrestling yet. So I'm kind of juggling uh, two or three careers at the same time, which makes my life extremely fun. One one could look at some of that stuff and say, "Wow, that's that's too dangerous." I I would never do anything like that. I, I'm sure you have uh, uh, seen the dangers of some of that stuff, or I'm sure doing it as long as you have. I mean, it's it's not a walk in the park. Totally, totally. And I've lost a lot of friends. I've lost a lot of friends in base jumping, but you know, I've lost friends in wrestling too, and. It's just one of those things, you know, it's, it's part of life. It's how we react. Um, I myself have been injured twice where they told me I would never wrestle again. I've broken both my legs twice. I actually just recently recovered from, I, I broke my right leg again, and I have steel plates in both my legs, uh, steel plates in my fingers, and none of it was from wrestling. <laughs> All of it was from base jumping or skydiving. But, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to quit doing that now. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. If you get into a car accident, you're not going to quit driving your car. And I understand that's a different degree of 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 of, uh, of living, you know. But that's just the way I live my life ever since I was a kid. That's And I will never change. Right. You know, and, and we were talking about wrestling and we were talking about your role in wrestling. Of course, you're still in the ring and you're uh, – with Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor is going to be coming back and doing live shows this summer. 
Uh, talk a little bit about your role and, and uh, what all you're doing besides just wrestling in the ring. Yeah, I, I mean, I love wrestling, but I also love teaching the younger generation. So um, this is backstage, and we've actually turned it into an, an on, on-screen storyline where I take uh, some of the younger kids and I mentor them. And it's been really fun for me, the, the kid that I'm working with, his name is Brian Johnson. He reminds me of a, a young Arn Anderson, and I just love, love, love that era of wrestling. And Arn is one of my all-time favorites, and right now he's one of my favorite people in the world. And I see a lot of Arn Anderson in this kid, and I feel like he has a great future. I definitely feel like he's going to be a world champion one day. Um, so if I can mold him and, and teach him what I have learned, he might get there even sooner. Yeah, that, that's good. And you, how important is it to have uh, people in the business that are willing to do that? Or over the years, have you kind of seen uh, people, uh, oh, I'm not going to help that kid. I, I had to learn the hard way. Uh, but it's important to have people who take on that role, right? Yes, I definitely. In, in every company that you go to, there's always a locker, locker room leader or you know, I was fortunate enough when I was in WWE that I was Undertaker, who was, you know, one of the all-time greats. I mean, he'll go down in history as probably one of the greatest. So I had guys like him, you know, to talk to. And, you know, you, just every conversation, you learn something new. And, you know, that inspired me. And conversations with my dad and Dusty Wolf and Jeff Bearden and, and guys like – and Lance especially, guys like that, I can remember little things that I've learned from them. And I've adopted those into my career – uh, you know, sometimes you evolve that idea that you, or you take it to a different place, but then I teach, uh, I teach my rookie similar things and I've seen him adopt those things and, uh, something really cool. I forget what it was, but the other day I taught him something and it was something that, uh, my dad was a great heel in wrestling. My dad and Jeff taught me and he was like, wow, this is great. How come nobody does this anymore? And he applied that and immediately he got so much heat and, you know, response from the crowd that he was like, wow, we should definitely do stuff like this. And uh, slightly off topic, but one of my greatest coaches I've had in my life was Dr. Tom Pritchett, and he had a saying. He used to say, what's old is new, and what's new is old. And that's why it's so important to study old wrestling. You know, like I got the other day, I, I saw how far I can go back, and I found some clip. Of, I, I didn't even know who it was, but it was so in black and white wrestling. It was black and white television. <laughs> and, you know, I, I used some of the stuff that I saw on there because I've never seen it. Like wrestling evolves and uh, it makes sense what old is new and what's new is old. So people should steal or borrow or take whatever term you want to use there from the old school because that's, that's what wrestling is. You know, like if you can do something that no one's ever seen before, chances are it's probably been done, but just way back <laughs> and people forgot about right, it. Right, right. And, You've brought your dad up a couple times in this conversation. Uh, talk to a, a little bit about your dad's character. He wrestled as the Pink Panther. Um, he loved the color pink, obviously, because every time someone talks about your dad, that's that's what I hear. Uh, talk a little bit about his character, what he did in the ring, uh, uh, the fan reaction, and you know how just what he meant to wrestling over there in South Africa. Oh yeah, he was he was a, a legit tough guy out of the ring. That's why it was so funny that he wore pink and he played this character that, you know, wasn't 
necessarily a, a tough guy and he could do anything you know he could he taught me how to do backflips but he never did that in the ring you know he he knew how to do moonsaults he was a world champion on the trampoline actually but he never did that because he didn't have to he was so good at playing the bad guy the heel he got so much um reaction out of fans that he never did that you know he made he made people look good he made baby faces he made people's careers. Back in the day, too, I don't know if anyone told you this, but anyone who broke into wrestling, their first match was always against my dad, including my own. And I can remember that day, clear as day. I will never, ever forget that. It's one of the great moments in my life. But, uh, yeah, you know, he was legit a badass. Like, uh, he roughed me up. I mean, you hear stories of Stu Hart in the dungeon, right, Rough, roughing up Brett and Owen and, and, and the whole crew. My dad was kind of like that, low-key. We had two rings in our backyard, and... He used to rough me up. He used to stretch me. He used to beat the piss out of me. And, you know, that that's also what made me into the man that I am today. What was the one thing about wrestling that he wanted to instill in you? What was one of the things that you carry that, hey, this is what my dad told me about wrestling, and this is, you know, this is the truth, or this is the final word? So, so many. There's so many. I can probably write a book on that. But one thing that probably stands out the most is, I mean, people know me for doing all these crazy stunts or high-flying moves. And he told me, he goes, listen, that will get a reaction, but you don't have to do that. There's different ways of doing that. And that just comes down to storytelling and character work. And, you know, I mean, he was living proof of that. He could do all those things, but he never had to. And he was probably one of the most famous wrestlers in South Africa by just playing a character. We talked a little bit earlier about how wrestling evolves and where do you think wrestling is, um, I don't know, from 30 years ago? Where is it today from 30 years ago and where do you think it's going? Oh, it's completely different now. I feel like it changes every decade almost. And um, that's why it's so important to know a lot of the old stuff. But it's also important to evolve with it. If you if you refuse to evolve with anything, you're going to get left behind, you know. And there are one or two guys that can get away with it. But for the most part, we have to evolve with it. And, I mean, look how far we've come just in the last, what, two, three years. I'm very excited to see where, we, where we'll be 10 years from now. Yeah. You know what I, I like talking about and what I like, like seeing? Um, there was a time that I stopped watching wrestling because I just – you know, I, I was used to the territory days. You know, that was what I grew up on. That was my that was my thing, right? I liked getting the magazines, reading about Memphis, reading about Florida, North Carolina. You know what I mean? Um, and then when WWE seemed to kind of monopolize everything, uh, you lost all that, and uh, they went to the independent circuit. For me, that was going to these different cities and states and watching independent wrestling was like the territory system for me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It was uh, it's exciting. It was really exciting for me to see the way that independent wrestling has really spread like wildfire. Totally, totally, and and I mean, it's not exactly like the territories, but it's kind of like the territories. You know, it's it's the evolved version of the territories, if you will. I mean, we have like worldwide. Uh, WWE has monopolized everything, you know. Like, but I mean, that that you can take that up as a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a very good thing because now I I just I just 
I wrestled a show in Chile in South America, and you know everybody knew who I was, and that's because of WWE. So there are some good things and some bad things out of it. I think I think that there are not as many bad things, if if you will, for lack of a better term. Just there's um, how can I say? You just have to adapt with it and go with it. You make you make the best of your situation, and I feel like I've been very lucky to to have the career that I have, and 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 that's what I've been doing. I just kind of adapt to wherever I go. Yeah, I'm I'm working on a particular project right now where a friend of mine had gave me uh you know tons and tons of files of all these pictures from the Gulf Coast region, you know, we're talking Alabama, Mississippi, uh Louisiana and Texas, all these pictures. I mean, thousands and thousands and I've been sifting through these these pictures looking at these events and you know, you'll see guys on there that I'm like, "Hey, who's this guy?" and I don't know who it is, but then Keith Lee will be in there. Uh, Rob Conway's in there. Uh, Tokyo Monster Cahagas is in there. Jimmy Valiant's in there. Bill Dundee is in there. You know, these people who've, you know, AJ Styles was in there. You know, all these guys that you're like, wow. You know, they wrestled in Arkansas. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, so it was fun to go back over a 10 year period, but. Yeah, I mean, where are you going to start? You know, where, you know, and it's those little places. Exactly. And and I tell kids today too, they don't know how lucky how lucky they are. They're very spoiled, you know, like if you say for instance you want to get into the business and you like a certain style or character, you can just go on YouTube now and look at that guy's matches and style. You know, when I was young, we still had VHS tapes. My dad luckily for me, he traveled the world. There was no not a lot of wrestling on South African TV, so he used to travel the world and bring me back these VHS tapes, and that's how I studied. But, uh, you know, the kids of today, they, they can literally just go on the Internet and, and find anything they want. So they're very, very lucky in, in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that, that brings up uh, an interesting uh, thing. I have a poster on my wall. There's a guy on there called the Great Gardini. Have you heard of this guy? I have heard the name. I, I, I cannot picture him right now, but I, I remember that name. Okay. Well, I, I Googled him, or I, I, there's a, I found a match or two of him on uh, YouTube. And if you were to ask me, you know, well, describe his style, he looked like a ballerina. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he was, he got a pop from the crowd, and he was, he was fun to watch, and he was very uh, gymnastic. You know, he did a lot of gymnastic stuff and uh, rolled around. And, you know, it's like, like you said, uh, wrestling, what what is new is old and old is new. I mean, that was a good example of it because you see some of that stuff today. It never, it never really goes away. It's maybe sometimes wrestling kind of gets into a, I don't know, that's just the way they're doing it right now. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like the fad. And th- and that's sad too. Like it changes all the time. Like, for example, like maybe like ten years ago, it was kind of like, I mean, we all everybody knows the Attitude Era, right? That was the most fun time in wrestling ever. But think about right before that, it was a, I don't know what you would even call that era. Right after the uh, Attitude Era, it was the um, uh, you can actually call it like the the reality era, where they would try to make it like a reality show, where it was you know uh, like quote-unquote real, like like a reality show, you know, like it's set up, but it's 
then we kind of like evolve into like the I call it the Triple H era, <laughs> you know, where Triple H started, took over NXT and made what it is today, which I think is fantastic. And I feel like two years from now, we're going to be in a completely different era. Wrestling is very mainstream now. It, it almost feels like because these superhero movies are pretty big, right? You get the Marvel and DC movies. I feel like that's what wrestling is going to towards now. Like now, most people know what wrestling is. So now they want to see the over-the-top character again they don't want to see the the reality guys with just the one the, the the boring name and the boring boring trunks you know they want to see the characters they want to see the superheroes right. if you will right right uh, are you familiar with congo Kong? yes of course i worked him in canada actually a few times okay okay yeah i like i like congo Kong, but i was a big fan of kamala you know and i would oh wow it looks you know it's it's not the right. same, but it's similar, you know? It's like, wow, you got a big dude wearing a loincloth, and, you know, it's right. it's it's fun stuff. And it, and it should always be fun. It should make you angry. It should make you happy. It should make you sad. But at the end of the day, it should always be fun. I, I think that's why I liked wrestling so much growing up. It was like going to the circus. It's like everything rolled into one. It's like the circus mixed in with a stunt show, mixed in with a soap opera, mixed in <laughs> it's like it's got a bit of everything. Yeah, you, you know, you're you're gonna see you're gonna see something different. It's entertaining. And that's what also why it's so important to have different characters on the card. You know, there's there'll be a place for the tough guy, there's a place for the for the the, the comedic wrestler, there's a place for the acrobatic wrestler. There's all there's always there's so many spots on the card because think about it, if everything was just exactly the same that wouldn't be fun to go to a live show then. Right. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. We could go on talking and talking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I could talk wrestling forever. Hey, I've I've had a very nice conversation with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, and I really appreciate you just sharing what you know about wrestling and, and everything that you've you've done in the wrestling business. I feel like I'm only in my prime now, so hopefully we can have this conversation again in a few years and see what has happened. Uh, thanks, Vinny, for having me. I appreciate that, and I cannot wait to read the book. Oh, I can't wait for you to read the book either. It's 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 going to be a fun read. You're listening to the WrestleVille Podcast, where wrestling lives. wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today at LanceByChance.com or on Amazon.